Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knudsen had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. All right, we're going to change it up a little bit. In today's episode, I'm going to do two interviews for you with two guests that work in this civil engineering world, and they've done very special volunteer community projects that I think are going to help our community as a whole and have certainly enriched both of their lives. And it was amazing to get to talk to both of them. First, I'm going to speak with Alan Lloyd, an associate vice president with Pannoni, who I would say stretched himself beyond the comfort zone. And he went to a third world country and he did a very interesting project as a volunteer. And we'll get into that. It's a pretty moving story. And I'll tell you where you can also watch some video around it. So that's exciting. And then I also had the chance to talk with Menzer Palevin from CH2M, who was one of the stars in the Dream Big movie. And if you haven't heard of the Dream Big movie, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it when I introduce her a little bit later on in the show. But what I can tell you is that it's essentially a movie that was put on by several partners and sponsors. ASCE was the big driver. I found out about it through ASCE, the ASCE Foundation, Bechdel Corporation was a big sponsor, NCES and the United Engineering Foundation uh, all had a role as partners in this project. And really, it's meant to inspire the next generation of engineers. Again, I'll tell you about that when we get into that with Menzer. But great, great stories, very inspirational. And I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Now, before we get into the first interview with Alan, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. And I want to make sure that you listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career In 2018, I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your civil engineering licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available only to our listeners. So don't miss that. Also, you may have heard of our online community for engineers called the Engineering Mastermind. Well, get ready for something way better. During Engineers Week 2018, mid-February, we're launching a completely upgraded version of our community, which will be known as the Engineering Management Institute Membership. Our private forum will have a completely new user interface, making it easier to find discussions related to the professional development guidance you need. And we're also going to be giving monthly skill-building sessions online in the form of webinars on engineering management-related topics that are also going to give you PDHs as a bonus. And our first one, which will be the last day of February, will be focused on how to build confidence to become a successful engineering manager. Really, really excited about that. You can go to engineeringcareercoach.com and sign up for our mailing list to keep up, get updated on when we're going to roll out the new launch. All right, so now let me introduce our first guest for this episode, Alan Lloyd. As I said, Alan's from Pannoni. Alan serves as Associate Vice President and Corporate Health and Safety Officer and Industrial Hygiene Practice Leader in Pannoni's Haddon Heights, New Jersey office. Alan has over 16 years experience of industrial hygiene and environmental remediation, having worked on projects throughout the United States 
and then as a volunteer beyond that, which you're about to hear about. So let's jump into our first interview here and learn about this really interesting and inspiring project. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now I'd like to welcome Alan Lloyd onto the Civil Engineering Podcast. Alan is an Associate Vice President with Pannoni. Alan, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you for having me. So Alan, before we get into your story that I really wanted to share with our audience, why don't you start by telling the audience a little about yourself as far as what you do for Pannoni? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis there? My background is uh, actually in environmental science, and uh, you have a, a bachelor's and a master's in environmental management and planning. And I started with Pannoni about 17 years ago now, and uh, I helped the firm with a lot of different projects, ranging from you know environmental investigations with groundwater issues or soil issues, all the way to building-related issues like asbestos or lead-based paint. So we kind of cover a large range of what we would call environmental issues. And you know, I manage a, a group here at Pannoni that uh, is all over the uh, up and down the East Coast doing various projects. And for the listeners not familiar with Pannoni, can you give us a snapshot of the company, maybe size and some of the key services? Yeah, well, Pannoni was founded in 1966. We're a civil engineering firm. We do engineering from anywhere from civil, traditional civil engineering and site design work to transportation engineering, structural engineering, geotechnical engineering. It's all over the place. And we're about, I think, 1,200 employees now. Just celebrated our 52nd year in business. We have 32 offices now up and down the East Coast. And uh, we're growing like crazy. And we have lots of fun projects all over the United States and abroad in, in some cases. Yeah, that's great. And I was... Lucky enough to get to interview some of the leaders at Pannoni, Dave DeLiza and Joe Viscuso, for a book I'm writing for ASCE. And they're, they're great guys, and it sounds like you have a great culture there. And Let's talk a little bit about this really interesting project that you are involved in, because I was actually at the Pannoni offices, and I saw a little video about Alan with a very special project that he's working on. Alan, why don't you tell us about the project? Start us off by giving us a little bit of a big picture of this project for the audience. This project was in Nepal, in a remote village, Dahakani. And basically, as most of you know, a few years ago, we had a, they had an earthquake. And it, it really shook up the whole country. And obviously, one of the things that were impacted by the earthquake, water supply systems. In this village, there were water lines coming from freshwater source, but they were disrupted. And being that they're, uh, it's a poor country, and these remote villages... They lost their access to a fresh supply of water, an adequate and fresh supply of, of clean water. And so this particular project was to help just that one village uh, of about 1,500 people or so and get their water supply rebuilt and constructed so they could get back to normal life. This was a project through this organization, Wine to Water, correct? It is. Yep, exactly. So talk about the organization and what they do and how you found it and how you decided to work on the project. Well, Wine to Water is a great organization. It's a nonprofit firm that's based out of Boone, North Carolina. And the founder of Wine to Water is a gentleman named Doc Henley. And Doc was a bartender, gosh, maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago, he was bartending. And he felt that, you know, maybe he should be doing something more with his life. And he actually signed up with Samaritan's Purse to do some work in South Sudan. He spent about a year there and, uh, you know, helping people with water issues, getting fresh water to different places in Sudan. 
you know, he came back and uh, after a year there and started bartending, and, and he just felt like he needed to do more. And so he started asking people to donate some money while he was bartending every time he would serve, you know, wine or, or beer or whatever it was. And it kind of became this wine to water type of a fundraising effort. And so he's like, I think I could do more with this. And so he started to form a nonprofit organization and really got things off the ground. And I believe in 2005, he was one of the CNN heroes of the year with this nonprofit organization. They've really taken off. They've done a lot of work in a lot of different countries. And it got to the point where they needed to really hire people. They needed a president to run it. They needed marketing people. They need all sorts of people to, to get this organization to be bigger. And one of my close friends, Dave Cuthbert, who lived in the Philadelphia region as a CEO of a, a telecom corporation, he found out about this and he felt called to, you know what, I want to go run this nonprofit and help bring clean water to different places in the world. And he became their first president and CEO. So Dave Cuthbert became president of Wine to Water, a good friend of mine. And I said, that sounds awesome. Tell me more, and, and I want to get involved. And so I've been involved with the organization for about three years now. I've gone actually on a couple of projects and trips, and uh, actually I'm the president of the Philadelphia chapter for Wine to Water as well. Wow, and is this volunteer work? Yeah, everything we do is volunteer, and you know we have to raise our own funds for the projects and any of the events that we do locally or abroad. That's great. And yeah, I certainly commend you. I mean, listen, I know working in the corporate world, you're busy, you got a lot of projects going on. And I think to take the time to volunteer on a project like this is awesome. I mean, if you're a listener and you want to check this out, you can go to winetowater.org and there's videos and there's different pages for each of the projects, I guess, in the different countries that they work in. What's the experience been like, Alan? I've done two trips. I went to Uganda last year and this year we were in Nepal and they were very different. So I would say each trip is unique, but each trip is very rewarding as well. And you get to work uh, side by side with the local people. One of the missions of Wine to Water is to not come in and just fix a problem, but to teach the local people how to fix the problem, what it is that we bring to the table and, and how can we share that with them so they can share that with others in their local community. And so working with the local people in Nepal, the local people in Uganda was such a rewarding experience in helping them on the technical issues, you know, where it's, it's fixing a, a water filter or a water pump or a cistern, you know, some of the technical things and sharing that, that knowledge. It's just a lot of fun. It really is. And it's really rewarding. That's great. And it seems like when I was there talking to some people at Pannonia and I saw your video, it certainly seems like the firm is very supportive of this, which is great because I think promoting activities like this amongst your employees is important because it gives them different perspectives. And I'm sure, I don't want to speak for you, but would you say that doing this has helped you in your day-to-day -day job? It definitely has. I would say Pannonia is very supportive of anything that employees want to do in the community. They actually have a special program called Pannonia Gives where any employee can submit an application and request funding to support a project like this. And I will say that Pannoni has supported me on these uh, service projects. It's been great to have that corporate support from them, but also, you know, coming back into the office and working with coworkers and sharing the experience. It not only helps build camaraderie between coworkers, but you do tend to look at your own work in a little bit of a different light seeing how poor you know, the infrastructure is in other countries and how maybe how weak the engineering is, 
you know, when you come here, you look at things differently. And I think in a better way, in a way that makes you a stronger engineer or scientist here. Yeah, for sure. That was actually going to be one of the questions that I asked you. I mean, I watched the video on the Wine to Water website for the Nepal project and seeing these young children lugging these jugs for, I don't know, miles with their parents on their head, dragging them. I mean, when you come back here and you go to the sink and you turn on the faucet, it must be like we take some of this stuff for granted for sure, especially when you see the struggle that goes on in these videos. So I would think that in that way, it's really, I mean, just watching the video is life-changing. So I could imagine being there must give you a different perspective. Absolutely. It's a life-changing experience. It really is. So you've gone twice and what's the status now? Are these projects, they're still ongoing, I guess, and then people, different volunteers go from time to time. Is that how it works? The Nepal village, the Hagkani, was a year-long project. And so there were, I believe, five different groups that went. And each trip was a different stage of the project. That project is complete now. When I went out there, we were one of the last trips to finish the project. So basically, we uh, Wine to Water has people in Nepal that work for Wine to Water, and their job is to interact with different communities and find out where the needs are. And so the next step in that country will be to find the next village where they need assistance and really start the whole process all over again. And how does this, I guess this is like any nonprofit, they just seek donations and different ways to raise money for these projects? Yep, absolutely. It's all about individual donations, uh, corporate sponsors, teaming arrangements, and wine to water itself does have a wine label. And so if anyone goes to the website, you could buy actual wine that's from California. And I believe there's a 20 or 30% of that purchase goes towards a wine to water project. I think that's a big source of their fundraising. It's great to see organizations like this out there that help. And really, in our industry, it's very applicable. I mean, a company like Pannoni sponsoring you is great. I'm sure that there's other companies that would like to sponsor organizations like this or individuals like yourself that might be thinking about this, which is kind of one of the other questions I want to ask you is, first of all, how long was your trip there? The trip was... 13 days, that includes travel, because it, it takes a good day and a half uh, to two days there and back for travel. So if somebody wants to get involved with something like this, what would you say are some of the steps that they should think about or consider doing? If they listen to you on this episode and say, wow, you know what, I want to look into that, what do you recommend? I recommend first going to the website, which you already gave the listeners, and really looking through that and making sure it's like, this is something that I'm interested in and want to do. Read the stories, watch the videos. And the next step after that would be look for the local chapters. Wine to Water is all about community. It's all about relationships. And that starts at the local level with chapters. If there's a listener in the Philadelphia region, there is a Philadelphia chapter. And there's contact information on the website. There's chapters all across the country where people can get plugged in. And from there, each chapter is different, but there's a lot of community events that are held locally. For example, the Philadelphia chapter meets once a month. They called Wine to Water Wednesday, and we meet at, at various locations and just talk about what's going on in the community and what's an international trip that we may want to be involved in or what are some of the local needs that we could also help with. So I think really the next step is to find that local chapter and get plugged in that way. And I think that this really is a great opportunity for civil engineering professionals. I mean, listen, whether you're a civil engineer, a geologist, a scientist, 
this opportunities like this are great. I mean, you have knowledge and you have skills. And if you just look at, or you obviously you've heard what Alan's been involved with. And if you watch some of the videos, you'll see that it's an amazing thing to be able to use your skills for helping people in need like this. If there's any possible way that you're able to do it from what it sounds like, it would be really beneficial to you personally and professionally, most likely. And even if you just want to investigate it, I think following some of these steps and even getting involved with a local chapter like this could be very, very powerful. So, Alan, thanks for spending some time with us here. Is there anything that you want to share with the listeners before I let you go in regards to just your experience and the effect it's had on you? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I love sharing my experience, but I definitely would want to encourage people to look into this. When I first looked at wine to water or doing any type of international trip, even if it's engineers without borders or some other organization, it's very intimidating. Don't let the fear block you from going out there and, and trying to do something different. It's both rewarding in your own personal life and definitely in the work life, in the engineering world. You know, taking that experience and bringing it back to my workplace has helped me here at Pannoni. It's helped me with my coworkers, and I'm very glad I took that leap of faith and went to a faraway third world country to help them. And so I just strongly encourage anyone who's interested to go for it. Don't let it hold you back. Down Lloyd from Pannoni and the project or the organization is Wine to Water. You can go to winetowater.org and you can look at the different specific projects they're working on. You can learn about the organization. You can watch some really compelling videos and I hope you'll consider doing so. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Alan and that very inspiring story. And I hope it makes you think about doing something like that in your career. It certainly sounds enriching. Now I'd like to introduce our next guest, Menzer Pahlevin. But before I do that, I do want to recognize our sponsor for the episode, PPI. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can provide to engineers is to get your professional license as early as possible. It's a practical way to advance your career, earn more money, and set yourself apart. To learn more about the exams, including invaluable exam tips, check out PPI's resource centers for the FE and PE exams. It's a one-stop hub for all the information you need to register, prepare for, and ultimately pass your exam. Visit ppitopass.com forward slash resources to learn more. Again, that's ppi, the number two, pass.com forward slash resources. And if you need exam prep materials, use promo code CIVIL on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code CIVIL, C-I-V-I-L. All right, so our next guest, I'm really thrilled to introduce Menzer Pahlevin, grew up in Ankara, Turkey, where in 1999, at the age of 13, she experienced the devastating 7.6 on the Richter scale earthquake that sparked her desire to help prevent future tragedies of that scale. And despite being told by her teacher that women don't become engineers, she began preparing for a career focused on earthquake engineering. She received her PhD degree from the University of Texas at Austin in 2013 with a doctoral thesis on the vital subject of assessing seismic hazards in nuclear facilities. Menzer currently works in the Seattle office of CH2M, a global engineering firm that provides consulting design construction services for corporations and government. After joining CH2M, Menzer was appointed chair of the new Engagement and Outreach Committee of the ASCE Geo Institute. She was also recently named to the ASCE's 2016 list of new faces in civil engineering. She's just 
a really amazing individual and person and professional. And she's really defied a lot of <laughs> or overcome a lot of challenges, which she'll talk about and growing up to get to where she is today. And she deserves everything that she's gotten. She's done so much for our community. I've actually got to meet her at a conference and now I was thrilled to get to interview her. And again, the Dream Big movie, you can check out at dreambigfilm.com. Like I said earlier, it's an initiative to kind of really teach younger kids what engineering is, get them excited about engineering because that's what we need to do. And that's exactly what this movie did. And again, you can check it out at dreambigfilm.com. But enough from me. Let's hear Menzer. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right. Now I'm excited to welcome Menzer Pahlavan to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Menzer, welcome. Thank you, Anthony. You may have heard Menzer's name because she was one of the stars in the Dream Big movie. And the Dream Big movie, which was a big initiative by ASCE and a lot of groups worked on it and collaborated is a movie that is focused on, and I'll let Menzer speak about it, but it's focused on really getting engineering out there to the next generation and letting them know that anyone can do engineering regardless of where you're from, what your background is, what people say. It's a really touching film. And Menzer, before we get into the film itself, maybe we can start by telling our listeners a little bit about you, about your background. You're practicing now as an engineer, but tell us about your background. Thank you, Anthony. And that was a great introduction to DreamVic. Thank you for that, too. I'm a civil engineer. I specialize in geotechnical engineering and further specialize in geotechnical earthquake engineering. And my interest in earthquake engineering really started when I experienced an earthquake. I'm originally from Turkey, and when the 1999 earthquake hit Turkey, I was around age 13. It was a huge devastation, and it was very difficult to, as a country to go experience something like that. I remember my mother woke me up in the middle of the night because the earthquake hit magnitude 7.6 hit at around 3 a.m. in the morning, and it lasted only 45 seconds. But uh, although I was living around 300 miles away from the epicenter where the main start of the earthquake happened, it, we were still able to feel it. I woke up, the chandelier was left swinging, and we just left home. We spent the night at the car, and then when we decided that it was easy, safe to go back in, we walked back in and opened the TV to understand what was actually happening. Seeing the aerial views from the affected area, was it was really difficult because you see like all these buildings, almost like a whole city just basically collapsed. And after that, it always like, created this question in me, like why this is happening? And probably like my interest in earthquake engineering started then. I went to school, I did my bachelor's and master's back in the Turkey at the Middle East Technical University. And after my master's, I came to United States for my PhD. I completed my PhD at the University of Texas at Austin, and uh, it was on the site response analysis. My master was on liquefaction, so I'm really very much so specialized in geotechnical network engineering. And after graduating, I worked for a couple of years in New York City in a specialty consulting firm, Mr. Rapids Consulting Engineers. And now I'm in the greater Seattle area. I'm working for CH2M, now Jacob, as a geotechnical engineer in most of the big infrastructure projects that we are working for the government. It's really uh, an inspirational story that you experience something like that, which is unfortunate, but it inspired you to get into engineering, into geotechnical engineering. And 
I know from seeing you speak on the topic that there was definitely some challenges for you in your path to become an engineer. And I think one of the reasons is because you're a woman. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that as far as your mindset or, you know, as you were going through this idea of I want to be an engineer and trying to get to that spot, some of the things you had to deal with. Yeah, I think one of the, so what we want to change with Dream Big is the public perception. And most of the time, that is the one thing that maybe keeps young girls, the next generation, to follow careers in engineering. Because if they do not grow up around women that are strong, that are interested in engineering or doing working as an engineer, they oftentimes think that engineering is only suitable for men. And this is not just for the young engineers, but that's also for the general public. Uh, I have a part personal story on that. I, When I was in high school, which around the time that I decided I wanted to be an engineer, we were in a history class. And the teacher was asking, so like, did you decide on what major you're going to pick for in the college? And all the guys in Turkey do most of the time they want to get civil engineering or is like one of the main job paths or it used to be that in Turkey because like you see like most of the economy is like really controlled by the construction industry and that is like a way to become like a boss or like a strong person. So it's very common for men or like the boys to say that. When I said, Oh, I'm gonna be a civil engineer too, the teacher who I know he liked me a lot turned to me and said I'm the master like civil engineering really why not like a law degree or so and he questioned my ability to be an engineer really but he was not doing that because he didn't think that I can go through the you know educational part of it it was because I was not fitting the engineer in his mind and how he perceived engineering is I was a very girly girl. I still am a very girly girl. And in his mind, he couldn't like match those two pictures, like the one that he knows me and the idea of an image. So that perception really affects a lot of women when even after they start considering engineering or civil engineering as a career path for themselves, they time to time feel like they do not fit in because of the public perception that we have for engineering. And that's one of the main things we want to change with Dream Big, and I'm hoping that it's working. I'm sure that it is from some of the feedback that I've seen. So your story is very inspirational. You told us about how you got inspired to become an engineer, some of the challenges that you dealt with, some of the stereotypes. But then you came to the States, you got your PhD, you worked for some accomplished firms. How did you end up deciding to be a part of Dream Big? I'm sure that for you, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of time. And obviously, it's something you were really inspired to do. But tell us about how that all happened. The real answer is, before I wanted to be an engineer, I wanted to be a movie star. So dream big indeed. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but how it happened is, I mean, if you would have told me that I was going to be in a movie that is like focusing on these like their core purposes of informing the public to change the perception about engineering and inspiring young people to consider engineering or civil engineering and inspiring young girls, I wouldn't think that that would be possible. How it happened is ASC had this initiative that they've been working on for the past five, six years before I got involved. But the year in 2016, I was selected as one of the new faces of civil engineering. ASC has this program that each year they select 10 up-and-coming civil engineers with in the civil engineers that are under 30 years of 
years old, and I was nominated and I was selected for the 2016. As a part of it, you talk about yourself, you prepare a video that describes your background and what you're doing, and it was really exciting for me. But one day, it was around April, probably, I received a call. Actually, I initially missed the call. I received a voicemail from a filming company, McLivery, but I did not know about them at the time. And I thought it was scam, so like I never did return the call. But then they got a hold of me, and then they initially described me, saying that they're interested in hearing more about my story. Then they said, would, if I would be interested in my story being a part of the film, but I never thought I was going to be in the film. And the next thing, uh, they called me. They're saying that they're filming with this amazing 3D camera that are there are only two of them in the world and they're filming in Phoenix the next week and like if I can make it there I was thinking to myself that is there like, why am I going it's because you're going to be you in the film they said I was just like okay there must be a camera or something this is just like a bad joke they're just like trying to get my reaction to it <laughs> so <laughs> well they were not <laughs> That's how it all started, and it was a really great journey. While we were making the film, I was understanding that, you know, that the purpose of it, but actually I can now confidently say that I even I did not see Dream Big as such an impactful and inspiring film. The first time I watched it, I was like amazed by civil engineers as the making one of them, me being in the film. I was like, wow, and all the reactions that we've got since then has been motivational. It just gives joy to my heart. Just yesterday, I received an email from a sixth grader saying that he watched uh, the film in San Diego with his family, and he was, like, really inspired by the movie. Now he's considering civil engineering as a career option, and he wants to, like, do a little interview with me for his, like, term project. And some of, in some locations that I go and travel whenever I meet the public and talk in different occasions, sometimes I meet these little kids that come to me and say, oh, Tom, now I want to be a civil engineer. And one of them one time asked me, like, what is the thing, what is the project that I'm the most proud of? I think Dream Big is the one. You studied, you came to the U.S., got your Ph.D., and like I said, you've been working with some established firms, I'm sure working on some amazing projects, but you've been on the cover of Civil Engineering Magazine, you've been in a movie. <laughs> I guess most importantly, you get contacted, like you said, by these kids that see the movie and really it's helping them to make life and career changing decisions, which is really great. I commend you for that. Menzer, before we let you go, because I know you're busy with a lot of projects, where do you see this going in the future and how are you staying involved? I mean, do you see that ASCE and other groups will just continue to try to hopefully get the word out and you're going to be involved kind of where you can? That's a great question. Actually, like since the release of the film in February 2017, over 1 million people saw it already, and we have an initiative that by the end of 2018, Dream Big will be available in every single public school. So even though they do not have an IMAX theater in their towns, the kids will be able to see the film. Probably you're aware of it too. I think the engineering field in general, not just the engineering, if we were just in need of some, something like this. After the release of the film, so many different engineering organizations all around the United States, in Canada, in Mexico, even in London, they started doing these outreach activities within the part that, like, using Trade Big as main event. 
And also, because we need, I need to probably like mention that Rainmaker is not just a film. It's a general movement. It's a general kit that's actually, if you're an educator, there are 52 hands-on activities that you can do in the class or like if you're a parent at home to encourage kids to start thinking about creating something and showing that engineering is not just like, you know, calculations, that they can be an engineer and they can start like the point that shows the innovative and like the more exciting part of engineering that can create something that serves people. And I think the whole engineering field was in need of something like this. I was a little worried that it's going to start with like the huge acceleration and it will die down. It's been almost a year since the release of the film and there are still several outreach activities that are performed at different states, different locations by different engineering groups that just to encourage the kids and especially the girls to follow engineering as a career. And we started this idea of girls' night out at these museums that show the train breaks. So like the female engineers within the community, they go there and then meet the girls to show that, that become a role model because all the studies show that what they really need is to have role models. And between that, I think we encouraged also the engineers to reach out and like maybe step a little bit out of their comfort zone to be show them show their faces to the public and what they do and like how they improve their lives. I'm hoping that this will go with this I like it, the acceleration as they have here is not going to die down, but like keep steady. Manzer, I'm glad you mentioned that because. I wasn't aware of that. I don't think everyone out there would be might be aware of that. I mean, it's, it is more than just a movie. It's a movement. And the fact that ASCE and I know other groups are collaborating and trying to get this into schools and get this out to children is a great thing. And if you're an engineer listening and you have uh, ways to do that or you have connections at schools and, and you want to help out, you can certainly reach out to us and we can put you in touch with the right people. But it's a wonderful movie and initiative, and I think we should definitely now make sure that we all kind of take the time to spread the word where we can. So Menzer, Palevin, thank you so much for just explaining all this stuff to everyone. I think the community, I want to try to continue to remind the community about some of these things because we don't always you know, hear about them. One thing that I want to mention is that activities kit that I mentioned is free and downloadable from dreambigfilm.com website. So anybody can download it from there. There are like 52 different activities that you can do with your kids. And that there are different activities for different age groups. That's great. Yeah. And again, it's dreambigfilm.com. It's a great website, really clear. It's got video clips. It's got the activity sheets, like Menzer said, and a whole bunch of other items that can really, that can help you to teach engineering and spread the word about engineering. So Menzer, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for everything that you've done for the, really for the industry and for the future of the industry. I know it was a lot of work and I know that you're very busy with the work you do and you're regular job. I think we all appreciate what you're doing. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk. I hope you enjoyed our episode today. I know it's a little different than typical where we talk about maybe skills or different things you can do develop professionally. But actually, I think that's exactly what we talked about. And when you volunteer and you get involved in these types of opportunities, it forges tremendous growth for you, both personally and professionally. And I think you could hear that in the interviews with these two young, dynamic individuals, Alan and Menzer. And it was a, an honor for me to get to talk with both of them. And one thing I want to say, too, is I commend their firms, CH2M and Pannoni, for supporting them. 
listen, people are busy. They're working on a lot of projects, but to allow them to engage in these types of volunteer activities and to support them in doing it is valuable. And I hope that all firms or a lot of firms, I know not everyone can do that, but I hope as many firms as possible can support your engineers in getting involved in the community, especially in the civil engineering world, because we are a big part of the community. So before we sign off, I just wanted to remind you of the big news about our online community, the Engineering Mastermind. It's a private forum that as of mid-February 2018 will be transformed with a new name, the Engineering Management Institute, and we will have both professional and corporate memberships. The private forum interface, kind of like a LinkedIn, but more private and focused around engineering management skills. It's going to have a brand new user interface, more functional, more user-friendly. Our new benefit is we're going to have monthly online skill building sessions focused around engineering management topics, and they'll include PDHs as well. And you'll be able to access all of it through engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. And we're going to give you all the details on that when we launch. We are really excited about it. It's a chance for you to continue to work on your engineering management skills every day or whenever you need to, not just every so often. And what I've learned about learning for engineering professionals is it's incremental and it has to be done over time. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 76. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources or websites that we mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 